Ephesians. And uh, we already finished chapter 1, and we started chapter 2 last Sunday. And we're just going to pick up where we left off. Um, seventh graders, I think, I think you'll catch on as we spend time in, in chapter 2. Um, so Ephesians chapter 2, make sure you turn there. I will read verses 1 through 10. 1 through 10. If you need a handout, we have extra here if you did not get one. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. So this is Paul writing to the people in Ephesus, the Christians in the church there. He says this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with him, and he seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So these ten verses is uh, these these ten verses are all about salvation. Okay, how a, how a sinner, how a person uh, becomes saved, becomes a Christian. And I know it's long. I know there there are a lot of things that Paul mentions here, but I want you guys to just think of it that way. It's about salvation. How a person becomes a Christian. How a person becomes saved. And if you wanna if you wanna divide it into uh, big portions, you can divide it. In, into two, two portions, you have verses 1 through 3, okay, you have verses 1 through 3, and then you have verses 4 through 10. If you're wondering, why, why divide it that way? Why not 5 and 5, 1 through 5 and 6 through 10? What, what do you guys, what, what, why do you guys think that's the best division? 1 through 3 and then 4 through 10. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Yep. The, 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 the first section, one through three, you can call it the bad news. That's the bad news, right? We looked at this last Sunday. Paul says that even though, even though we, we were physically alive, right, we were spiritually dead, and we were deserving and destined for God's wrath, and we couldn't do anything to change that. We couldn't change our nature. We're children of God's wrath. We couldn't change our reputation. We were uh, children of, of disobedience. Uh, we couldn't give ourselves, you know, spiritual CPR so that we would come to life. We were dead. We couldn't change our status. So that's the bad news, verses 1 through 3. And then you have the good news, 4 through 10. That's the good news. 
And, and this is what we're going to look, to look at today and next Sunday. Even though we were spiritually dead, okay, because of God's amazing grace, you, you see grace here, you see mercy, you see love, because of all those things of, uh, about God, He changed our status. He made us, he, he, he took us while we were spiritually dead, and then He made us spiritually alive. Okay, so that's the transition. That's why verse 4 starts with what word? Yes, but, right? So you were this, but you're now this. Not because of you, but all because of God, all because of God's grace. So you have the bad news and then the good news. So that's kind of the big picture of, of what, what we're looking at here, which is taking um, three Sundays, verses 1 through 10. So for this morning, here's the outline. Remember, we covered 1 through 3 last Sunday. Uh, here's the outline for the second half. We're going to see four displays of God's grace in our salvation, okay? Four displays of God's grace in our salvation. And I, and I explained this last Sunday. Paul is writing to Christians, okay? That's why he said, hey, Christians, you used to be dead. You used to formerly lived in the world, indulging your flesh and, and, and sons of disobedience and children of wrath. You used to be that. You, you formerly lived like that, but now you're this because of God's grace. So, so that's why I'm, I'm, I'm calling it that way, for displays of God's grace in our salvation. Paul's talking to Christians. So if you're a Christian today, last Sunday, that's, that, was, that was a reminder of who you used to be. Now, if you're saying, well, okay, if this is for Christians... And Paul's saying, you used to be like that, but now you're like this because of God's grace. Then it doesn't apply to me because I'm not a Christian. Well, it does. Okay, it does apply to you because you can still learn from Paul's explanation from last Sunday, verses 1 through 3, of who you are right now. So, instead of, you were dead, no, you are dead. Instead of, you formerly walked according to the course of this world, no, you are walking presently. Instead of formerly walking according to the prince of the power of the air, that's Satan, we talked about him. No, you are being influenced. You are under control of Satan presently, right now. You are a disobedient person right now. You're living in your lust of, the, of your flesh right now. You're indulging the desires of your flesh right now. And you are a child of wrath right now. But then you have the good news, right, from verses 4 through 10. So it applies to both. Christians and non-Christians. So, four displays of God's grace in our salvation. Here's the first one, the fill, uh, a fill in the blank. God resurrected us to spiritual life. Okay, God resurrected us to spiritual life. Look at verse 4. Verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy... Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So this statement, okay, these two verses is probably one of the most popular verses um, amongst Christians today. It's, it's a life verse for a lot of Christians. A lot of people have memorized this. Rightly so. It's very rich. Okay, it's very rich. It's talking about salvation. It's talking about what God has done. You used to be this, now you're this because of God's mercy, because of His love, and because of His grace. 
So it's very, very well a very well-known passage. Um, so what we're going to do is uh, spend extra time in point one, okay, the first display of God's grace in our salvation, um, extra time. So we're going to cover that today, and then number two, three, and four we'll cover next Sunday. Okay, I think this is very important to get before we move to the other ones, because I really want you guys to understand what Paul is teaching here. Now, first, let's look at the grammar, okay? Um, I know you guys love grammar. Uh, math, yeah, I, you know, like... Like Tucker, you can be confused when it comes to math, but I know you guys like grammar, and, and it's simple here. In English, okay, you guys, you guys remember this, right? In English, uh, a complete sentence or a statement, a complete statement should, should have three things, right? What are they? Uh, instead of compliment, a little more simple. SVO, remember? SVO. Where's the SVO? Okay, that's a complete sentence. That's, that's a sentence. That's the same. Subject, verb, and object. Object. Okay, don't, don't, we're not complicating it. We're not like predicate nominative and you complement and this and that. It's just SVO, right? Subject, verb, object. Okay? Where is the subject here? Okay, we read it, and then I read it again, verses 4 and 5. Where is the subject? Let's hear from the ladies. Yes. God, right? So what's next? So you got the subject. What, what do you need to look for after the subject? Verb. verb. So, so where is the verb? What is the verb? Yes, Nicholas. Is? Where is is? Um... You are right. Um, God is, um, but it should be translated "being rich in mercy," because in the original it's not an "is." So God, comma, being rich in mercy. Okay, another another try. Yes, made. Anyone who agrees that the main verb is made, raise your hand. Seventh graders, you just there you go. Yeah, it is, it is the main verb, right? So God made, okay, or made alive is the main verb, made alive. Um, so SVO, what's, what's the next one? Object, who, uh, who is the object? Where is the object? From the ladies again, back to the ladies. Another lady, a different lady. Yes, Pookie. Us. Okay, so there you go. You, you, just, you just, what Pastor Scott said, all the time, you just unpacked it, okay? You just unpacked a passage, and you just simplified it. That's, that's Paul's main point. That's the big picture, okay? God made alive us. God made us alive, okay? God made us alive. That's the main point of Paul. That's the big picture of, of verses 4 through 10. We were, dead, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Then we have verse 4. Um, we were dead in our trespasses and sins in verse 1. Then we have verse 4 here, but God made us alive. But God made us alive. You had no spiritual life before. You couldn't respond to God before, and you couldn't grow spiritually. That's a spiritually dead person, right? No spiritual life, can't respond spiritually, and cannot grow spiritually, but God made you alive. That's the main point. 
Now, here's the question for you, students. How can you tell if someone is physically alive? How can you tell if someone's physically alive? Let, yes, Elias, give, give me just one, one answer. They have brain functions. They have brain functions? Yes, Joshua. They're moving. They're moving, yes. They have a pulse. They have a pulse. Della? Heart, okay? It's pretty easy, right? It's pretty easy to tell if someone, a person, is physically alive. Before I became a firefighter, I had to go to um, you know, all these training in EMT school and fire academy where I learned um, something that's simple like that, how to tell if someone is alive. But we, we had to learn all these skills, all these medical emergency skills um, that would be helpful to, to uh, people who are in danger or in need or having emergency. I used to know a lot of them, but there's one thing that's been ingrained in my mind which I will never forget. How, and it's how to tell if a person is alive. It's pretty simple, but, but when you're like in an emergency, you know, the ho you know, the house is on fire, you know, there's a car crash over here, you know, the, ca the cat is stuck in the tree, you know, it's just, it's just chaotic. It, it, you need to calm yourself down and just, just remind yourself of the most basic skill that you learned from EMT school and a fire academy, how to tell if someone is alive, right? And it's an acronym, like, like you guys uh, saw earlier. It's an acronym. The acronym is ABC. Pretty simple. You know, firefighters, they can't, you know, if it's too long, they can't remember. Um, if it's too complicated, they can't, they can't get it. So ABC. So A is for airway. Okay, so when I come up to a person, a patient, I want to check if the airway is open, if the, if the, per, if the person has an open airway, like can he breathe, right? Um, B is for breathing. Is he actually breathing on his own? Okay, and then C is for circulation. Like you guys said, heart, pulse, how do you know? Uh, well, you check for a pulse. So if, if a person has those three things, okay, has airway, he's breathing, he's circulating, heart's pumping, has a pulse, then he is what? Physically alive. Pretty simple. Okay, we're, uh, firefighters, we're not treating, we're not di diagnosing, we're not, you know, we're not doing all these things. We just want to make sure that the person's alive, keep that person alive until we get that person to the hospital, and then the doctors will deal with all those, you know, with all those things. Now, it's the same way, okay, it's the same way when it comes to figuring out if someone is spiritually alive. You have to look for signs, okay, you have to look for signs. But as you know, it's not as simple as ABC to, to see if someone is physically alive. That's, that's pretty clear. That's pretty easy to tell if someone's physically alive. But to tell if someone is spiritually alive is, is a little bit harder. Okay, because you're not looking for physical signs. You're looking for spiritual signs. You're looking for spiritual signs. But students, this is so crucial. This is so important. I want to teach you guys from Ephesians 2, 4 and 5, the importance and also how you can tell if you yourself is spiritually alive or you are still in the bad news part, verses 1 through 3, spiritually dead. That's why I want to spend you know, just one, one Sunday on, on this first point that God resurrected us to spiritual life because if you, don't, if you can't tell, okay, if you are not like a spiritual EMT, you can't tell the basics of who's spiritually dead and who's spiritually alive. You're not going to understand the, the, the rest of the, the section. You need to know, students, you need to know 
what the signs are. You know, people sometimes would tell me, well, you know, we can't really judge that person. Only God knows the heart. Well, yeah. Yeah, but the Bible is also very clear that you can, in a good way, in a biblical way, judge yourself, number one, and judge others if that person is actually a Christian or not. You know, the Bible doesn't say, yeah, just, you know, go around and then meet friends and make friends and say, well, we never know. We just, we just didn't know. God, God knows, you know. No, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says you can actually have assurance. You can actually be sure if you are alive or dead spiritually. You can actually know if you're a Christian or not. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. So here's the question for you. What signs do you think don't necessarily prove spiritual life in someone? It doesn't really prove that that person is a Christian. Yes, Nicholas, give me one. Having Christian parents. Okay, that's number one. Did you, did you guess that? Nice. If you read 2 Timothy 3, then yeah. Um, so that's number one, having Christian parents. That does not prove nor disprove spiritual life. Um, if your parents are Christians and then they, um, uh, they, and they, ha they had you, your mom gave birth to you physically, it doesn't... It, you're, your mom's spiritual life and your dad's spiritual life didn't get passed down to you. You're not born spiritually alive. You're born physically alive because both of your parents are, you know, they pass that down to you. But their spiritual life, their Christianity, their faith, those things don't get passed down to anybody. So having Christian parents don't prove nor disprove that you have spiritual life, that you have gone from verses 1 through 3 to verse 4. Okay, what do you think number two is? Another sign that neither proved nor disproved spiritual life. Yes? Going to church. Going to church. That's number six. Okay? That's number six. So you can write that down. Going to church. Um, just because you go to church, just because you go to Wednesday night, Sunday morning, all these events that are churchy, uh, it doesn't make you a Christian it doesn't prove that you're a Christian or, or that you're not a Christian. Okay? One more. One more. Yes, Haven. Doing good, doing good things. Number three. That's number three. Doing good things. That does not prove nor disprove that you have spiritual life, that you're a Christian, that you're saved. A lot of, a lot of unbelievers, a lot of, of non-Christians actually do a, a lot of good. Doesn't mean that they're Christians. Okay, uh, one more, one more, one more, one more, one more, one more. Yes, in the back. Yes. What's that? Reading the Bible. Reading the Bible. Um, put knowing the Bible. Okay. Not just reading, but even knowing the Bible doesn't prove nor disprove that you have spiritual life. Um, I've, you know, on Facebook, I don't know why. You know, I don't know why. I don't know if I gave them any hint that, that I like this thing. You know how they, like, figure that out, and then they keep giving you all these ads on, on things like that. And I've been getting a lot of ads on uh, Bible Bee. I'm like, why? Why Bible Bee? You know, all, the, all these young people going to Bible Bee, and, and they're winning all these awards of, you know, knowing the Bible, memorization, all these things. Um, I'm, I'm, I hope... And I'm sure some of those kids are, are Christians, but just because you do that doesn't mean that you're a Christian. 
Just because you know the Bible doesn't mean you're a Christian. Uh, one more. Did we, did we leave out anything else? Oh, uh, two more. Okay, who, have, who hasn't guessed? Who hasn't guessed? If you guessed, put your hand down. All right, Ryan. Feeling guilty or bad. Yep, guilty, bad. Same. Feeling guilty or feeling bad about sin. Okay? Uh, when I was little, I felt guilty all the time. I felt bad all the time every time I sinned, especially when I was caught. But it didn't mean that I was a Christian. Okay? Just because you feel bad when you say something that's unkind, just, be, just because you feel guilty when you do something that's very sinful doesn't mean that you are a Christian. There's one more, guys? Okay, one more, one more, one more. Uh, not Easton, Elias. Giving to God, yes, yes. That's, that's, that's also good. That's a, that's a, that's a right answer. Uh, yes, right. Uh, Sarah. Talking to God, another, another word for that is Easton. Praying to God. Just because you pray to God doesn't make you a Christian. Praying to God neither proves nor disproves spiritual life. So students, if you see these signs in your life, and many more, okay? I just wanted to narrow it down to these six. If you see these signs in your life, it doesn't automatically mean that you've gone from verse 1, being dead spiritually in your transgressions and your sins, to verse 4, being alive. Okay, it does, not, it does not automatically mean that. doesn't mean that you're saved. You may or may not. We don't know. You may or may not. We, we don't know. So let's look at the second half of that list, signs that prove. Okay, signs that prove genuine and true spiritual life. What we're going to do is leave Ephesians for a moment and go to, what do you think is a good book that just says a lot of signs? that someone has gone from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive. Yes? First, first John. First John. Okay, so go to First John. This is a great book to read if you're trying to figure out if you are a Christian or not, if you actually are still spiritually dead, or if you are now spiritually alive. This is a great book for that because John gives many signs, okay, many signs of saving faith. And uh, we'll just look at six. Here's the first one. Confession of sin, okay, confession of sin, that's from 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, a spiritually dead person, an unbeliever, he sins and he covers it. He sins and he hides it. He sins and he blames shifts. He sins and, and he doesn't take care of it. A Christian, though, he confesses his sins. And look at this, verse 9. God is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. We're not Christians if we say that. If you, if you don't excuse your sin, if you don't minimize it, if you don't blame others for it, instead you go to God all the time, you run to God all the time, you confess it to God, and you want to deal with it, you are a Christian. That's a sign. That's a sign that you have gone from verse 1 to verse 4. Number two, obedience to God. Obedience to God. This is from 1 John chapter 2. Verse 3. 
John writes this, by this we know, okay? You, you can actually know, guys, okay? You can actually know if you are a Christian or not. By this we know that we have come to know him, that we, that we know Jesus Christ, that we have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. If we keep his commandments, the one who says I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments, that person is a liar, and the truth is not in him. He's not saved. He's still spiritually dead. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected, been manifested. By this we know that we are in him. So if you love God, then you'll obey him. You trust his commands, and you know that his commands, even, even though you don't like his commands sometimes, but you trust, you trust his character, and you believe, and you know that his commands are for your best, and you obey, that's a sign. That's a sign that you are no longer spiritually dead. You are now spiritually alive. God made you alive. Number three, rejection of worldliness. Okay, rejection of worldliness. Um, we're not talking about, like, the world physically, the earth um, we're talking about what John says here in 1 John chapter 2, the things of the world, okay, what, how, the lifestyle of the world, the sinful, worldly lifestyle of the world. Verse 15, do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You're not a Christian. If you love the world, if you want to be like the celebrities, the unsaved celebrities and the pagan athletes who don't love God and who hate God, if you want to be like that, that's love for the world. If you want to dress like those people and act like those people and be cool like those people in a way that is not pleasing to God but, gain pop, but gains popularity, you love the world. And, J and, and John says here, the love of the Father is not in you. You're not a Christian. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, boast Boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Number four, breaking habits of sin. Okay, notice I haven't said um, not sinning. Uh, that is a sign. That is a sign of someone who has died and has been perfected and glorified with Jesus Christ. Okay, that person no longer sins. But for a Christian who is still here, we still sin. But we confess it, and then here, number four, we break the habit. We break the habit. 1 John chapter 3, verse 7. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. Or, you know, no one, you know, deceives you, tricks you, makes you believe a lie that the one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. So he's talking about habits, practice. If you are habitually obeying God, living a righteous life, then you belong to God. If you are habitually sinning, habitually disobeying God, then you are not of God, but of the devil, like Ephesians 2 talked about last Sunday. If you have power over sin, meaning you can stop a sin so that it doesn't turn into a habit, 
Okay? Let me repeat that. If you have power over sin, meaning you can stop a sin from turning into a habit, a pattern in your life, and you do that because you know it makes God sad, you know that it dishonors Him, you know that He hates that, and, and you want to honor Him, you want to live a life that's pleasing to Him, then you have a sign of salvation. You are a Christian. Number five. Love for one another. Love for one another. This is from 1 John 4. Verse 7, John writes, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. You're a Christian. Verse 8, the one who does not love does not know God. Pretty black and white, pretty simple. If you are selfless students, if you prefer others more important than yourself, especially those who are hard to love, those who are um, you know, unlikable and unlovable, but yet you love those people, you prefer them more important than yourself, you sacrifice for them, then you're a Christian. Think of the people who are hard to love, like siblings, Right? like siblings. Um, if you can love those people who are difficult to love, you are a Christian because you are displaying the love that God has, which is He loved unlikable, unlovable, difficult people, just like you. So if you can do what God does, Okay, love difficult people who are unlovable, unlikable. If you can do that, if that is a sign of your life, then you belong to God. You're just like the Father, in, your Father in heaven, God. Number six. Number six. Trust in Jesus Christ. That's another sign, a very important sign that you're no longer in verse one, dead, spiritually dead that you are now in verse 4, that God made you alive. That's, the, that's a great sign because you trust in Jesus Christ. First John chapter 5, verse 10. The one who believes in the Son of God, okay, he, he, he knows Jesus Christ, he believes in Jesus Christ, he trusts Jesus Christ with his life. That person has a testimony in himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning his son. God says, okay, I sent my son to live a perfect life, a life that you cannot live, you're spiritually dead, and I also sent him to die on the cross to pay for, for your sins, something that you cannot do because it would take you forever in hell to do, and I raised him up from the dead so that he can secure salvation for you. God says that's, that, that's the purpose of Jesus Christ, that's the gospel, I have given all that to you, and if you do not believe that, John says the testimony is not in you. you. You don't have eternal life. Look at verse 11, that God has given us eternal life and the life is in His Son. If you don't believe that, then you are still spiritually dead. You're still like we called... Um, unbelievers, non-Christians last Sunday, the walking dead, physically alive yet spiritually dead, doing soccer but spiritually dead, reading your Bible, going to church, still spiritually dead, 
right? Going to the gym so you get, you get more physically strong and get big muscles but still spiritually dead. Friends liking you because you're so cool, because you're so likable, but still spiritually dead. These are the signs, students. These are the signs. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter if your parents are Christians or not. It doesn't matter if you're homeschooled or public school. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. If you are seeing these signs, okay, kind of like an EMT when I used to be a firefighter. If I'm looking at a bunch of people and I'm looking for signs of life and I'm going through my ABC in my mind, if you're doing the same thing, spiritually speaking, how you feel, who your parents are, where you came from, how much money your parents have, how you're doing with school, with your grades, those things don't matter. If you see these signs, you can have assurance, they call it. What is assurance? Being sure that you are spiritually alive. You can have assurance. You just have to look for these signs. Back to Ephesians 2. Go back to Ephesians 2 and we'll finish these verses real quick. Now, notice that Paul includes the timing when God did this. Again, SVO, subject, verb, object, right? God made us alive. When did he do that? Paul includes when he did that, when God did that. He made us alive when we were dead in our transgressions. That's important to know. Okay, that's when God made us alive. That's when God saved us. That's when God made us go from unbelief, unbelief to belief, from unbe an unbeliever to, be to a believer. Because that means that God didn't wait for us to get better. Can a dead person get better? No, a sick person can. A dead person can't. He didn't wait for us to get better. He didn't wait for us to become more lovable. A corpse, a dead corpse, can that thing become more lovable over time, the longer you wait? No. How about more savable? Did God wait till we become more savable? You know, more good, more moral, more kind? No. God saved us when, while, you can say, we were dead in our transgressions. God was the one who initiated our salvation. He saved us while we were dead in our sin. Now, notice also that Paul includes what motivated God to make us alive. He didn't make us alive so that we can look better. He didn't make us alive so that we can become better people. He didn't make us alive so that we can have better lifestyle, become more rich, become more popular. He didn't, that was not God's motivation. You know what motivated God to do this? Two things. Number one, God made us spiritually alive because of His rich mercy. Because of His rich mercy. And if you're trying to wrap your mind around mercy, it's, it's pretty much... Compassion in action, okay? To, to have a compassion towards someone that leads to action. God saw your hopeless condition. You were spiritually dead. And he had pity toward you. He had compassion for you. And that led to him acting to change your condition. He saved you. He made you alive. That's God's motivation for saving you because he's rich in mercy. Second, God made us spiritually alive because of His great love. Okay? Great love. It's, this is not the emotional feeling because someone's cute. That's not love. Uh, biblical love, Christian love, is to seek the highest good of someone regardless of that, that person's worth. 
That's Christian love. To seek the highest good of somebody regardless of that person's worth. That's what God did. You were spiritually dead, right? You were in your transgressions. You were in your sin. You're a child of disobedience. You are a child of wrath. You're indulging in the, in, in the flesh, you, the desires that are sinful. But God loved you. God loved you. He sacrificed his only son to seek your highest good, which is forgiveness of your sin, regardless of your worth. You are an enemy of God, a sinner, hating God, regardless of your worth. God saved you. So students, if you're a Christian today, you have spiritual life, not because of who you are, not because of what you've done, but mainly and only because of who God is. He's a merciful and loving God. That's why Paul can end this section here in verse 5 with this phrase, by grace you have been saved, which he will expound on later on. By grace you have been saved because of God's mercy, because of God's love. That's why you used to be spiritually dead, but now you're spiritually alive. Now, can you know? Yes, you can. You can certainly know. You can be a spiritually empty and look at people, especially your own heart, and say, okay, am I spiritually dead still or am I spiritually alive? So I encourage you to just go through that list. I encourage you to take that list to your family and say, okay, we got to figure things out here. We need to know who's alive and who's dead. And we have to look for these signs. All right. Uh, again, four displays. We only covered one. You're going to have to come back next, next Sunday for two, three, and four. Okay. Uh, we'll see you guys from studies this Wednesday. Uh, any questions, let us know. Let's pray before, uh, before we dismiss. Dear Lord, thank you for your character, for who you are. You are a merciful and loving and gracious God. Because of that, you save people. You save sinners like us. You uh, don't wait. You don't wait till we become better. You don't wait till we do something that's good or pleasing to you. If you waited, none of us would be saved. So I pray for those who are not saved in this room, that they would just meditate on these passages, on, on the list that, that we looked at today, so that they would know, they need to know. They need to know where they stand. If they are still dead, or they used to be dead, but they're now alive. And I pray that you would lead them to faith, lead them to repentance, so that they can enjoy all the blessings of your grace. Thank you for the new seventh graders. I pray that, that we would just love on them, that they would enjoy their time up here, and that we would uh, be glorifying to you the way you are growing this ministry. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.